The following program is made possible by the friends and partners of Creation Today and by viewers like you. Thank you. I don't need to study all those facts you guys throw out on the Creation Today show. All I've got to do is share my testimony. That's it. Well, you've heard it said, nobody can argue with your testimony. Yes, they can. Yeah. There are a lot of religions that have their conversion testimonies. It's only when our story, our testimony, lines up with the testimony of Scripture that we have something really powerful. Now we have something the Holy Spirit can use to convict the lost for their need of the Savior. In today's episode, we are going to discuss how individual experience can round out our battleship apologetics. There's a war going on in our world against Christianity. Are you ready to defend your faith in Christ? The Creation Today Show provides you with the ammunition you need. We prepare you to defend your faith, arm your children, and raise up a family who knows the Creator, Jesus Christ. This season we're teaching you battleship apologetics. Science, history, individual experience, philosophy, Battleship Apologetics. Thank you for joining us once again for Creation Today's Battleship Apologetics series. For individual experience, the I in our Battleship Apologetics, we're going to consider the effectiveness and the validity of the personal testimony and see how God can use this to draw the soul unto Himself. Some think the personal testimony has little weight as an apologetic, since other religions can produce a convincing testimony as well. But what does the personal testimony offer? First of all, it's a starting place for witnessing. It's personal, so it can relate to all people on a personal level. Sometimes people can't be reached through the intellectual level, but they can through the personal. Mm -hmm. Now remember what 1 Peter 3.15 said. This was the verse that we used in the first episode as our foundation for apologetics in the first place. It reads, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of hope that is in you with meekness and fear. This is a reference to our personal stories, our testimonies of what Jesus has done in our lives. You know, oftentimes when I speak, I break down apologetics into three basic methods. I call them the three E's, experience, evidence, and the essential. It shows the progressive roles that apologetics play as we're always ready to give an answer. Uh, experience literally means defending Christianity through your personal testimony, sharing your story, what God has done in your personal life. Evidence, pretty clear, it means to defend Christianity with the evidence. We do that a lot. We focus that on a lot uh, in the seasons that we do here. The essential, though, is the foundation to both of these other two and to the truth itself. We defend Christianity with the fact that without God and His Word, you wouldn't know what is truth. In witnessing, we don't know where people are on their path to God or away from God. They could be on their verge of a decision, ready for answers, or they could be extremely ignorant of Christianity. Yeah. It is important to inquire where people are coming from as we engage with them. And most importantly, we need to be seeking the mind and guidance of the Holy Spirit Absolutely. as we witness. He only knows what can and will pre 
penetrate the hearts of those he has led us to. Yeah, but everyone is on a spiritual journey, whether they acknowledge it or not. And our testimony of our individual experience might be the one thing that God uses to convict a sinner to turn to Jesus. You really never know. Mm -hmm. One example that comes to my mind is the Samaritan woman at the well. This woman was changed by a divine rendezvous with Jesus. She goes back to town and tells the people in her city about her encounter with the Christ, yeah. saying, He told me all that I ever did. So in John 4:39 through 42, we read, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, He told me all that I ever did. So this first group of people believed in Jesus because of her testimony alone, but not everyone. Let's keep reading about the others who went to see Jesus. And many more believed because of his own word and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard for him for ourselves and, and know that he is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. You know, it is very interesting that the second group of people who believed, uh, they wanted the evidence, but the first group only needed the testimony to believe. This example reveals the true power of personal testimony. Everyone's different. And at the end of the day, it's God that does the conversion of one's heart. It's not us. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Verse 13 says, they were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Mm -hmm. Salvation can only be described as an individual experience. You can be told how to be saved over and over, but no one can see into your heart. No one can give your life to Jesus. <laughs> only through the power of the Holy Spirit can you humble yourself before God and entrust your soul to Christ for salvation from sin and death. Well, speaking of personal testimony, let me share with you my story. It goes like this. I was raised in a Christian home with incredible Christian parents. I was brought up knowing everything there was to know about God and the church. The problem is, I didn't know God. It wasn't until I was 21 years old when I watched the message, Hell's Best Kept Secret by Ray Comfort, that I realized I had simply been a product of my environment. I knew what to say. I knew how to act because that's the way I was raised. I knew what I needed was a new heart. I needed to see my sin as exceedingly sinful before God and God alone. This is when the Holy Spirit changed my life and I literally became a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things really were passed away and from then on, all things really did become new in my life. What about you, Marianne? What's your story? Okay, well, I too was raised in a Christian family and I believed ever since I, I can remember. My testimony in my Christian walk is one of learning how to always say, yes, Lord, not my will be done, but thine be done. Christ has used circumstances in my life to give me opportunities to crucify my desires and embrace His way no matter how difficult or how painful they felt, refining my love and my desire for Him. Galatians 2.20 sums up my testimony. <laughs> I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. You know, we did <clears throat> mention earlier that uh, other religions will profess a conversion experience. You've got the Mormons will tell you about the burning in the bosom that they experience. Muslims, uh, Buddhists, Hindus, 
they all have stories as well. Even Christians, many times, they'll look into an experience or a feeling as a proof that God has done a work in their heart. Because our feelings can deceive us, we must return to the scriptures to keep us in reality. If our individual experience contradicts the clear message of scripture, well then we're in trouble. So how can we know that we are saved Mm. if we don't rely on a confirming feeling? Scripture tells us what we must do to be saved. Salvation is not a feeling. God doesn't appeal to our emotions or feelings in order to confirm our salvation. Yeah, you know, for those of you who are intellectuals, you should really appreciate this. According to the Bible, in John 14, 6, it says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 3, 16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then we have in John 14, 15, which says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then Romans 8, 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Like the hymn says, Trust and obey, for there's no other way. That's true. Well, you've heard our stories. Up next, we want to share with you other people's testimonies. Mm -hmm. Right after the break. At 21 years old, I was a self-professed Christian, but I didn't know God. I had been raised in church and in a Christian home and Christian school and enrolled in a Christian college. I was around church and religion literally all my life. So why didn't I know God? Growing up in a Christian home, I got really good at pretending to be a Christian. I didn't really have a desire for righteousness. Instead, the only thing I pursued was trying to make everybody think that I was a good person and give the perception that I had Christ as my Savior. I just wanted to look good among my friends. You're watching Battleship Apologetics here on Creation Today. Welcome to a behind-the-scenes look at the Creation Today show where we edit the shows for you and let you guys enjoy the content that we give. We just got done shooting a season, so behind me is all the different gear and things like that. The office is kind of a mess, but this is my brother Kent's office. He and his family are right up there in that picture, if you can see it. I wanted to share several testimonies with you during this show on personal testimony during this part of Battleship Apologetics, but I've changed my mind after just watching uh, uh, the testimony of Ray Comfort. Ray Comfort is the one who wrote or uh, uh, did the sermon, Hell's Best Kept Secret. That's the sermon that God used to take me from a religion to a relationship with Christ. So I called up Ray and I asked Ray if I could use his testimony during this show. He said, Absolutely. Please sit back and enjoy the testimony of one man that God has used to reach millions. When I go in, I like to lighten things up a bit. You know, I just show my ID. And you can't see this, but this is my ID. This is what I show them. (laughs) 
had no Christian instruction whatsoever. My mum was Jewish. She married a Gentile just after the uh, Second World War. Went to church three times in 22 years as a non-Christian. And uh, each time I was incredibly bored. I'm not exaggerating. I would think to myself, if I can't sleep one night, I'll get a preacher to come and talk to me. I had a very happy childhood. I wasn't molested, wasn't beaten up. I was bullied at one stage, but looking back, it was incredibly happy. Had my own business, making as much money as I want. Had my own house, my own car, beautiful wife who had made one kid. Total freedom. I didn't have, I was my own boss at 18 or 19 years old. So in my happiness, I had a, a sense of futility. And this is what, this is what came to me at about, about the age of 20. 10 out of 10 die. I began to think about that. And one night I looked at my wife. She'd just gone to sleep. And I thought, she could die in a second. Her heart could give out. And all my material things, my house, my business, my freedom, would be futile. It would be empty. No one talked about death. It was like this huge elephant in the room. It's like the whole of humanity is lined up on a cliff. There's a thousand people, and they're stepping off this cliff one after the other. And no one's saying, how can we get out of this line? For about six months, I lived in this sense of futility, not outwardly, but just inward thoughts. And I was on a surfing trip, and a young Christian guy who didn't really know what he was doing, he'd just become a Christian, explained the gospel to me. He took six and a half hours to lead me to Christ. But I remember reading the Bible verse where Jesus said, you've heard it said by them of old, you shall not commit adultery. And I thought, well, I've never committed adultery. If there's a heaven, I'll probably make it there. And then I read the words, but I say to you, whoever looks upon a woman to lust for her has committed adultery already with her in his heart. And I thought, you're kidding. God sees my thought life. It was like that was the revelation. I don't think people understand that if God can make a brain, he can see what he's made. I thought, I'm in big trouble on Judgment Day. I'm going I'm to end up in hell. And that's when the cross made sense. I'd heard that Jesus died on a cross. I used to pray to Jesus at night, mention him in my prayers, blah, blah, blah. But it was meaningless until I realized I was a sinner. I needed a savior. I was condemned. And yet because of what Jesus did on the cross, I could be forgiven. I could be exonerated. My death sentence could be commuted because Jesus paid my fine, which means God could legally dismiss my case. And so I, uh, I repented that night, became a Christian, 3.30 in the morning, went outside, looked up at the stars, and everything looked different. Just the, the, the absolute transformation just left me with my mouth wide open. I'd found everlasting life. I witnessed to everybody I met, not in a fanatical, wide-eyed way, but when I met people, I'd, bring, I'd carry tracks everywhere. I got in a box and began preaching in a local city. If anyone could have been considered a fanatic in those days, it was me. One sign you are saved is that Jesus will be your Lord. And when he says, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, you'll do what your Lord commands you to do. You're going along, you know, in life, and suddenly death comes in under the door, takes your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, takes your wife or your husband or your children. It can happen slowly, it can happen instantly. In the next 24 hours, 150,000 people will die. 
And after death, the judgment of God's going to judge by the holiness of his law. Lust is adultery, hatred is murder, and every time you sin, you store up his wrath, and hell is real, and you're heading there. All liars live up in the lake of fire. What are you going to do on judgment day? But fortunately, God is rich in mercy, and he provided a Savior who died for you on the cross, rose again on the third day. And if you repent and trust in him, God will grant you the gift of everlasting life. And then you say, please get right with God today. Don't put it off till tomorrow, because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. found everlasting life. I cannot but speak that which I've seen and heard. Jesus, you died upon a cross and rose again to save the lost. Forgive me now of all my sin. Come be my Savior, Lord and friend. Change my life and make it new. Help me, Lord, to live for you. Change my life and make it new. And help me, Lord. It's time for Science and Scripture with Eric and Ben, here on Creation Today. It's time to blow something up. We're on the <laughs> Creation Today show with a science experiment. And yes, we are going to blow something up. That's what's time. kind of funny. You say that every time and this today That's we are going to do that. That's the best science experiment. <laughs> Explosions. Of course, it won't be an explosion today. Uh, take, yeah, take, take the cap off your bottle. Okay. Right here we got some one liter bottles. Okay. We're going to have a friendly competition. Ben, you and I. And I am in all friendship going to cause you to lose. Okay, bring it on, big boy. This is the blow up the balloon in a bottle experiment. You actually take the uh, the closed end of the balloon. Shove hey, that which down way is that, Eric? <laughs> that's, that would be down, the direction down. you're yes. going you in this that? competition. Oh, you're going to go ahead and pull that. All right. Bring it. Bring it. Ben. Okay, so put... Hey, let me just ask you. Aren't there times in life where you have been wrong and I have been right? Have there, haven't there been... Have there ever been a time where I have been wrong? 
I, I remember one. I've got it on video and he refuses to admit it. Oh, man. Okay, I, so this is what we want. Yeah, so. And we're going to have a competition. Who can blow up their balloon the biggest, the biggest inside the bottle, okay? And I think we should add the fastest, too. And the fastest. All right, let's see who can blow okay, up the balloon down. the biggest and the fastest. Who gets to say go? Um, I'll, I'll let you. Okay. Well, or you want me to say go so you can be actually blowing faster and have you that say slight go. advantage. On your mark. Get set. You ready? <laughs> okay, no, no, seriously. All right, ready, ready, ready. All right, here we go. All right, on your mark, get set, go. <sighs> wow, I'm kind of lightheaded, okay, but I'm lightheaded dude. myself, and I haven't blown up a single thing. Here's how mine you, not only blew and up. And how is the air not coming out of it there? It stayed in there. Eric, clearly you have cheated. I want to know the trick. What have you cheated? done? Cheated? That's a very strong accusation. Either that or your lungs are incredibly strong. I ain't got because some Superman I, lungs here. <laughs> I can oh, hear the noises. Easy. That Don't blow the old eyeballs out. All right, kids, if you Oxygen. try this at home, here's some things you need to keep in mind. What Number you one, do? you get two bottles. Number two, you give one bottle to your friend. I have a secret self-inflating balloon. The balloon is secret? <laughs> no, it's not secret. Actually, here's what I did. Here's what you got to do, okay? I put a little hole right down here at the bottom to let the air escape because there's no way you can this blow This is the face of a cheater right no, here. <laughs> no. This is the face of somebody who understands science. Take the balloon out of there. Can you blow, that? Can you blow air into a bottle with no balloon at all? You can't. No. You're not going to blow any more air in there, and it's the same with this. So I put that little hole right there, and that lets the air escape right there. So the air is actually going out as you're pushing. Correct. Because I couldn't. My lungs couldn't push a whole lot more air. That would be. That would be. Not even lungs. your lungs. Not even my lungs can handle that. Yeah, you're good at spiritual analogies. What do you got, man? Yeah, the Bible talks about in the book of James that we're not supposed to be just hearers of the word, but we're supposed to be doers of the word as well. So you say, Ben, what in the world does hearing and doing have to do with the balloon? Well, Eric did. He created a little way for the air to escape. I believe that's what doing is. We get a lot of knowledge in our lives, but as Christians, we need to take that knowledge and let it out. Yeah. We bring it into our lives, but we need to live it. We need to live the truth of the Bible as well. So if you're at home, you have a lot of knowledge because you're watching Christian <laughs> television. Do you live that knowledge? Yeah. Don't just be a hearer of the word, but have a way in your life that that hearing can turn into doing and then hear some more. It's a cycle. I love that. Share this stuff on your Facebook page, right? Get involved. Do something. Right. Write on news feeds online. Yes. Share our website. Talk to your friends. Go into Tons the world. Preach the gospel. Every, you can do all kinds of stuff. So if you want to do this at home, you're going to get a nail and put a little bitty hole in the bottom of one of your bottles. You can use a regular water bottle. Take the water out first. Actually, if you leave the water in, you can poke the hole in here a lot easier than drain okay. the water out. And uh, then when you got your balloon inside. That's so cool. And impossible for me to do. And impossible for you. You Good. got me, Eric. I got you. you. Got me. Fair and not quite square. <laughs> I want to tell you some of the stories of the encounters I've had with atheists. And I think I can give you a little bit of insight about what's going on in their mind. Knowing and using four simple questions can revolutionize your outreach to anyone who says God does not exist. In the mind of the atheist, they say, we want evidence. Let me just share you a little secret. They don't want evidence. With quotes from Paul Baird, David Hume, 
and other famous anti-God spokesmen, Eric shows that their own words call atheism into question. Evidence is not the issue. Understanding these facts will give viewers a deeper passion and empathy for those lost in the pride of their misplaced belief. We're living in a day and age where people know a lot about God, just like I did, but they don't know God. To order this DVD, visit us at www.creationstore.org. We're told it was eons of time that shaped the Earth's most dramatic rock features. Yet before this theory was popularized, a completely different explanation had dominated scientific thought, one of violent and catastrophic processes. Has science made it impossible for us to believe the Bible? No, there's good reason to doubt the millions of years theory that dominates geology. Today we're going to explore some evidence from a catastrophic flood that ripped through our own backyard at the end of the Ice Age. It's called the Lake Missoula Flood. The Creation Explorers will journey into this flood's path. They will explore the features carved by the Missoula Flood and see how these same features can be seen across the Earth. This evidence for catastrophic flood erosion shows us just how possible the Bible's global flood catastrophe can be. You're watching Battleship Apologetics here on Creation Today. The variety of people's testimonies really are amazing. It just yeah. shows there's no two testimonies that are alike. You know, the Holy Spirit does use a variety of different ways to reach people, and there's no real formula other than the Holy Spirit. Yes. If God can create a universe with so much variety, He can also shape our souls in a variety of ways as well. Yeah, this should actually encourage you about witnessing. We saw how just a few words with some people mm -hmm. and a whole lot of persistent words with other people can be used by the Holy Spirit in the same way to pull a soul out of darkness and into the great light. Another point I wanted to make is that how at conversion, people experience similar results. Results which Christ said would come. A heart that desires to please God. Yeah, and they've got the scriptures to guide mm -hmm. them. And they've got the Holy Spirit to teach them and to lead them into all truth. If you've never given your life to Christ, your creator, then I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe you're even doubting his existence. You should pray and ask God to guide you in your search for Him. Beg God, if you have to, to reveal Himself and give you forgiveness of sin. Well, thank you for joining us. What a great show. Absolutely. Good conclusion here. Well, if you have any questions, please send your questions to questions at creationtoday.org. You know, another great way to find answers to questions about other apologetic topics is through our search creation database. All searches done on our website, creationtoday.org, filtered through over 400,000 apologetic articles and websites to give you the perfect answer to your questions. This is our final episode for the season four. I can't believe it. Yeah. I hope you've been encouraged and will continue to build your battleship arsenal with scientific, historical, individual experience, and philosophical ammo. Hey, if you enjoyed this season of Battleship Apologetics, just wait till you wait till you see what we have in season number five. Yes. Until then, go boldly and proclaim the gospel and help others to know Christianity is a battleship. It can defend itself. That's right, so don't jump ship.
Get the ammunition you need to defend your faith by visiting our website for up-to-date content, attending one of our live events, and shopping online at creationstore.org. We are Creation Today.